Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Mark, that was your best opening ever. Ever. In ever. almost 100 episodes. Almost 100 episodes. That's uh, the one. I want you to meet Russell Bishop. Hi, Russell. Russell, um, I'm so, we, we met each other just less than three months ago, I think. That sounds about right. How long have you lived in Santa Barbara? Moved here in 1990. And then I heard you've put seven million air miles on yourself in your career. Yeah, that was a count from several years ago. I'm not sure what it's up to now, but I stopped counting after that. And and now you're uh, blissfully retired. Well, as I asked that person a question of that, how did I say that? I asked the person that question on a golf course once. You've retired? He says, No, just tired. <laughs> so that's my answer. My my definition of retired is uh, not having to return email. So that's how I that's how I'm going to look at it. When as I if I see the inbox, I go, eh, I'm good. Uh, I'll I'll figure I'm retired, but I'm I'm clearly not there yet. And I know you're not there yet. I see you've got a a workshop coming up. It sounds fascinating. It's a conscious conversation, but it's only 15 people, which I really love. Mm -hmm. It's coming up in a, what, a couple of months at the end of the summer? Mid-September up in uh, Sausalito at a place called Cavallo Point. That, tell me about that. Cavallo? Tell me about the whole conscious conversations. Well, let's see. There's a, a, a little introduction to this that began back in 1978. I was about to go in for uh, radial keratotomy. It's the precursor to LASIK surgery, where they use the little scalpel and put slits in the cornea. Right, right, right. So I was almost legally blind at the time. Really? Uh, And uh, so I was about to go in, and my spiritual teacher uh, said something to me that was um, pretty important. I just didn't gravitate to the importance of it at the time. He said, well, yeah, the problem is now physical, but the source isn't. And so I kind of looked at him and said, say some more. And he said, well, the trouble is you've been struggling to see with your physical eyes things you can only see with your spiritual eyes. Hmm. So I went, I had the surgery, everything was fine. I was from 20 light perception to uh, 2015, literally overnight. So I was grateful. Then over the years, I ran a bunch of programs under the Insight Seminars uh, moniker and uh, began to learn a lot about perception. But I never hooked that together with what my what teacher heard, had right, said. Right, right. Now, fast forward, it's uh, 2014, and I'm in the offices of Francis Hesselbein who was a delightful woman, and I won't reveal her age because she would shoot me. Uh, <clears throat> but suffice it to say, she's been around. Uh, Francis took over the Girl Scouts when they were bankrupt oh. and uh, did a marvelous bit of work with the board to help them understand what they needed to be good at. Now, she was a follower of Peter Drucker, the uh, much-acclaimed management consultant. Sure. yep. 
Drucker always asked the question, uh, what business are you in? Who are your customers? What do your customers consider value? And how do you measure right. that? So when Frances took over, she met with the board and uh, asked them the question, well, what business are we in? Which today we would say, what's your purpose or what's your vision? You right. know, a lot of that language gets sort of muffled together, yes. if I can make up a use of a word. <laughs> and uh, the board eventually arrived at the mission statement for the Girl Scouts. Now, Drucker said, you don't have it unless you can print it on a T-shirt and read the T-shirt from across the street. Hmm. Huh. So it's not these oh. things you see today right, 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 that right, are just right, right, right. Dilbert yeah. mission generator yeah. stuff. <laughs> Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Let me write that down. <clears throat> I don't think anybody has that yet. Um, they came up with six words. Okay. Two, I have to hear them. To help girls achieve their potential. Yep. So imagine from a business perspective, if you're in marketing, how does this help you? Well, who's my market? Girls. Girls. Well, which girls? Ones that need to reach their potential. And where are they located? Probably in schools. Which schools? Underachieving schools that have uh, a lack uh, of ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. You just got the award. And uh, along with that, where are most underachieving schools? Inner, inner cities. cities. Inner cities. Ding, 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 ding again. So uh, how does that help, um, let's say, the budgeting process? So, well, I mean, I know where they are. I know how to, I'm going to be informed on how to get to them. So someone proposes that we buy a new this or we invest into that. And the first question you ask is? How does that tie back to the mission? How does that help a girl achieve her potential? Right. And on and on and on and on. So basically the Girl Scouts changed from being the Ozzie and Harriet, the white bread suburb, to the uh, inner city. So if uh, you're going to help a girl... When, when was this? Oh, I, I don't 70s? It could have been as early as the early 70s, probably more like the late 60s. Yeah. I'd have to look that up and yeah. get clear. But the, the point being there is that uh, how is teaching a girl to build a campfire or make s'mores going to help her achieve her potential as opposed to living on a dollar a day? or nutrition with a limited access, or, 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 or. So it really began to shift how the Girl Scouts thought and what they offered and to whom. So I mention that because uh, Peter Drucker later named her the first executive uh, director, which would, I guess, CEO in the rest of the world, for the Drucker Foundation for Not-for-Profits. Not really? Yeah, she, so she ran that until Peter... Uh, passed away. And at his request, the Drucker Foundation was renamed to the Hesselbein Institute. And it still focuses to this day on not-for-profit organizations and helping them uh, succeed. Marvelous work. She has taught leadership for an incredibly long time at places like West Point sure. and various universities on the eastern seaboard. So that so little you, background. So you went to meet her. She's an amazing woman. So I, I go bet. into her office. Now, did you know her? I had known her for about 30 years. Oh. And I had done wow. some work wow. here and there. And I used to help out with the Points of Light Foundation when it was created. Um, 
with the Clinton presidency, which most people don't understand that. They hear points of light and they think of the first Bush, Bush presidency. Bush, thousand points of light. Exactly. But Clinton funded it. Huh. So you, later you will have seen Clinton and Bush doing all kinds of things together because they had right. this cause about humanity. Huh. Anyway, um, so I hadn't seen Francis now in about 10 years. And so I'm in her office in Manhattan, and she still goes in every day. So Google her, see how old she is, and you'll be stunned. Uh, so I'm in her office, and she gives me a hug. Now, she's scarcely five feet tall, mm -hmm. just, just a little uh, in stature person, but not in stature. So after the hug, she looks at me, and she doesn't say, Russell, how are you? What are you up to? What have you been doing? She looks at me, and she says, Russell, what are you seeing that's not yet visible? Wow. Now, I've been that's asked her, a lot of questions. That's instead of hello. Instead of hello. And I've been asked a lot of questions over the years, uh, but that ranks as number one all-time great question. Now, what it did for me was it set off a string of dominoes that went all the way back to 1978, and my teacher saying, hey, the problem is you're struggling to see with the physical eyes right. what you can only see. Did, did, did that hit you right then? Bingo. It, it did. It just went, you just went bingo. Wow. And it, it's, it's like... Uh, I mean, it feels like that, that has bookended your, your life. I mean, it was that the beginning, and, and not that it's the end, but, you know, let's put 40 years in, in between there. It provides the overarching context. Right. Now, one of the things I say today, this was again two years ago, so it caused me to stop doing everything I had been doing. Really? And rethink, you know, what, what's the gift? So this is a, your new mission statement. My new mission is around that. Wow. And helping people. There's, there's different versions of what that looks like. But the real issue, maybe most simply uh, stated, if I ask a person, have you ever slapped yourself on the side of the head and said, oh, I knew it? Right. Sure. Now, that happens in one of two contexts. Either I knew it and blew it. Or, hey, I knew it, and it, it's a big success thing. It's like, hallelujah. Yeah. Well, most of us have more experience with I knew it and blew it right. than I knew it and did it. So what I like to say is, well, if you, if you knew it and you blew it, just remember, you knew it. Hmm. Now, hmm. let me sink that in for a moment. I knew it. So if you knew it, what was in the way of knowing it? such that you could act on it. Well, now bring it present tense. What do you know right now that's the next I knew it and blew it if you don't pay attention? How do you pay attention? Uh, so that, that's the question. How do you pay attention? How do you notice? What, and what's the answer? The answer is you have to go inside. Now, I mean, I can get really esoteric here. Go for it. But... Um, when I Patrick, we're okay? We can go Yeah, deep. we've got the esoteric button turned up. Great, thank you. Awesome. Modulate, please. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> There's a modulation button on that board? Yeah. We also cool. have a Make Me Look 29 button. <laughs> oh, boy. 40 years ago. So. Uh, insight. So with Insight Seminars that I created back in 1978, I called it uh, Insight seminars, The Awakening Heart. Okay. Now, 
it wasn't the awakening mind or the awakening brain or the awakening body or any of that kind of stuff. It was the awakening heart. Uh, so that was kind of frou-frou for, right. for some people. Right. Uh, contextually, Est was out there and Lifespring and actualizations and all this. And Insight became the third largest training company. Let me kind of sidebar world. for a second for our listener to know, you, you were one of the early guys in the human potential movement. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you were there at the beginning with with all of the names that we know now. Right. If we if we our reader, I'm going to put some links in, but Google's you, they're going to see you as, attached to a lot of those names. Uh, they very very well could be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it it's heartfelt. Now a lot right. of those transformational programs were confrontational. At yeah, the, they were, weren't they? Very much so, and and. I don't want to denigrate that because, as my teacher said, look, never curse the rung of the ladder that got you where you are. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like and, that. And I needed uh, a healthy uh, sure. whack up the side of the head kind yeah. of thing myself. So it helped me uh, in many ways. Uh, you can confront someone mentally and you get mental arguments. You can confront someone emotionally and you get all kinds of emotional issues, dissonance, whatever. But the most profound confrontation is at the heart level. Okay, why, how, why is that? So, at the level of the heart, we find why we're alive. There's the old Mark okay. Twain statement, you know, there's two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. <laughs> okay. And the find out, you know, we all know the old joke, uh, nobody has ever found on their deathbed lamenting they wish they'd spent more right. time at the office. Right. right. Now, they usually say things like family and whatever, but if you keep asking the, if you know that the principles of um, um, language come back to me, root cause analysis. Right, right. It's basically five whys. Something happened, why did that happen? Hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. well, why did that happen? Well, why? So you're trying to right. find out when there's a failure of some kind, something yeah. breaks down, what's the underlying cause? Yeah. Usually it's a symptom linked to a symptom linked to a symptom before yeah. you find the root cause. Yeah. Well, at the, at the five why level, um, why are what you, you're doing whatever you're doing in life, why is that important to you? Well, because I go to work because I need to earn money. Uh -huh. Why, Why is, is that, that important? important to you? Well, because I have to feed the family and da da da. Okay. Well, if you had enough money, what would you hope to be true? So if you keep digging on that, what you begin to distinguish, and I have a, a little exercise I give people. I call it symbols versus experience. And uh, I think it was the, my very first Huffington Post article back in 2008 that focused on that. On a piece of paper, listeners, if you want, you just take a blank sheet okay. of paper yep. and draw a line down the, uh, the middle from top to bottom, yep. and then a horizontal line near the top, so you have two columns. Yep. Column left, label symbols. Yep. And I'm doing the, it right now, listener. Hope you are. And the right-hand column, label experience. Okay. So symbol, what goes in that column are all the physical, tangible, material things that people pursue in life. A house. So, house. Okay. What else do people want out of life? Oh, they probably, well, let's say a paycheck. A paycheck. So money is almost always the first or second thing that people say. Okay. 
And then you can go to house, job, car. You know, for some people, it's the trophy relationship, the trophy kids, the whatever. But that's their You can get trophy kids? I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've really? Oh, this that. is new. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Good luck with that, right? Okay. <clears throat> so if we then get this list of the things we're pursuing yep, in the life, symbols. we ask ourselves the question, well, so I take money in most large groups, I mean, 99.99% of everybody wants more money. So you say, okay, great. Let's imagine you have all the money you could imagine having. On the right-hand side, what's the positive experience you would associate with enough money? If I had enough money, then I'd experience what? Maybe it's peace of mind. Peace of mind. Or a sense of security, security. stability, you know, not worried about things. Wolf's not at the door. All that stuff. Yeah. So the most common things are freedom, security, peace of mind, happiness, that kind of stuff. So then we always ask the question, do you know anybody with a lot of money who is secure and at peace? And happy and successful and, yeah. I can think of several. Do you sure. know anybody with a lot of money who isn't? Sure. Uh, do you know anybody with very little money who isn't? And very little money, but they are. Yes. So at the top of this symbol and experience, there's no equal sign. Mm. And it's not a directional sign. Mm. Most people think it's directional. Get enough of left-hand column, you'll, you'll finally get have the right. It. And so people live all their lives going, well, next time is when I'll have happiness. Next time is when I'll have fulfillment. Next time is when I'll have security. Next time is when I'll be free. I'll sacrifice that now. And in, so instead, what people wind up doing is that I call it, they settle for what shows up as opposed to creating what they truly desire. What they truly desire, that right-hand column, yes. is in the heart. Huh. That's yeah. the heart level. Yes. That's yeah. where loving comes from. That's where caring comes from. That's where inner peace comes from. So this came as a result of me asking, how do you pay attention? And you said, let's get, so get esoteric about that. Yeah. So it's heart-centered. Now, remember, insight was called the awakening heart. Yeah. So it was heart, not mind. Now, the word awakening is a really critical word. Um, and if I use a pun here, it's a sleeper term. Okay. If something awakens, what was it before? One would assume asleep. And if something is asleep, what was it before that? Awake. Bingo. So most transformational programs in the world, most self-help are about causing someone to change. Most people say they want change and they're deathly afraid of it. Insight was never about change. It was about awakening. Based on this, you already... So Okay, let me see if I can fill in the blanks. So awakening means I'm asleep, which means I was previously awake. So I already know this, which gets back to your, hey, I knew it and blew it. So is Bingo. your core, let me see if I can get, get to the end here, is that I already, uh, Tony Robbins says, uh, all I need is within me now. Mm -hmm. So it's, I already know this. I just need to wake up to it. Very much so. And so the, the meta tag for insight, so we said insight, the awakening heart, becoming more of who you already are. Hmm. Now, most people, if they're trying to change in sort of the most positive sense of the term, are looking to add something to their lives they don't have. So that's that consciousness of lack. 
Right. What they really need to focus on is letting go of what doesn't work and of what they don't need. Eric Hoffer, who was a longshoreman philosopher in San Francisco. Longshoreman philosopher. You oh, just that, that just went really quick through there. Okay. He was a, 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 an amazing human being, a poet. Uh, and uh, Hoffer, I paraphrase here, uh, said, you can never get enough of what you don't really want. Okay. Uh, the, his precise quote was, you can never get enough of what you don't really need to make you happy. So everything then I need to make me happy, I already have. So, well, have you ever been at peace? Yes. And have you ever not been at peace? Yes. Have you ever been back in peace? Yes. Where did the peace come from? An awareness that peace was there the whole time. Bingo. And so if you're not in peace, this is a, a tough one for some people to get their brain around. If peace is present and it's inside of me, if I'm not in peace, where did I go? Onto my phone. I was on my phone. You could be <laughs> on your phone, pretty much, which is a function of either brain or emotion. Right. So <clears throat> I, I would say that I've probably been awakened to this idea in just in the last year uh, through meditation, through mm -hmm. a very specific um, uh, concept that I use Headspace. Our listener knows mm -hmm. I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of Headspace. He, in, in the very, very beginning, the foundational stuff, he, he says, you never, you know what it's like when uh, uh, you, you, in an airplane and you go up through the clouds and you get to the blue sky? He says, the blue sky is always there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm always there just the clouds come and go and so in life if you're having a cloudy day it's just remember hey the blue sky's there and that had a profound effect on me just remember no the clouds that's that transient thing that's coming in and out of life there's always the blue sky so when you said peace what I felt for me was that peace is blue sky absolutely and that's a function of Consciousness, which is why this new program it's is called Conscious Conversations. Yep. In fact, uh, the overarching brand, I haven't published the website yet, but that's called Conscious Living. Mm. So to move to a layer of consciousness is, you know, I could ask you to uh, think a thought. And if you thought it enough, that, let's say we thought about um, a terrorist action. And you start to say, well, what would happen if that happened down here in Santa Barbara? And you bring, you go, oh, my God, that would happen. And pretty soon, physiologically, you start to feel yes. the terror. The emotions would match the thought, and the body would provide the chemistry to give you the experience of it. Huh. And nothing happened. Just I thought about right. it. I felt Even about it. Even visualized it. All of that stuff. And that's the power of the human being. Well, absolutely. What we focus on, we experience. Yeah and we begin to create. So this whole process then of awakening inside is going inside and asking of your own deeper self, well, what's this about? What's my purpose here? What's this for? This is present, there's a reason for it. What's that? How do you, um, you know, in today's tech savvy, get it done, ADD world, with, we just talked about phones and all of that. How do you coach people to take the time to do this? How, do, how does that happen? Well, the main question is just to ask them, are you satisfied and fulfilled with what you're experiencing now? And if you are, don't change a thing. 
And what do you think the answer to that question <laughs> is most of the time? Sometimes people either believe they are or are unwilling to admit they're not. Do you think we, uh, so we're kind of consciously um, dishonest? Very much so. Very much so. And another part goes, wait a minute, that's not true. But that's why people have these Hence, hence the lives. confrontational aspect, because you as the person who knows that's the wrong answer, you've got you to confront that. And the, there's a lot of ways to do that. And um, I originally was trained in some of that more yeah, yeah. smack them in the face kind of thing. Uh, and that can be helpful to a certain degree, but it also is dismissive of the essence of who that person is. And so I much rather ask people questions than make assertions. So I want to stay on questions for a second. I'm fascinated with questions. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, you've written a lot, you wrote a lot for Huffington Post, and I like to write, but I've not written a book. And so I made a commitment I'm gonna do that. Mm -hmm. And it's based on this experience of the last year of the podcast and the things that I've learned from it. And uh, the title's called, That's a Great Question. Mm. And I'm fascinated with questions um, I have been my whole life. And it, it's like, now I'm in the, kind of the business, though this isn't a business, uh, this is asking questions. What do you think are the components of a great question? Genuine curiosity. Okay. Now, there's all kinds of questions, many of which are not questions. You don't really believe that, do you? It's not a question. <laughs> Statement. <clears throat> okay. So genuine curiosity, what, uh, what would be another one? The curiosity is two ways. It's about the other person, and okay. it's about my own self. Okay. So there's a desire to learn and to explore. Yep. The reason I'm, well, I mean, I have lots of reasons. I want to get a third one if you were to, if, if I'm being a kind of a scientist data guy, I like to think of formulas. Like, is there a formula where I could look at a question and say it has two of the three components, it's missing this one, it's not as compelling or as effective a question? Well, that's an interesting uh, point. You, you might, uh, do you know who Fritz Perls was? Nope. Uh, P-E-R-L-S, okay. Fritz. <clears throat> uh, he passed away, I don't know, a couple decades ago. He would be considered the father of Gestalt therapy. Oh, okay. He had a great book, and uh, it was called Gestalt Therapy Verbatim. And the book was in two parts. One was a little didactic, and the other were just transcripts of him working with people. Now, he was trained as a classic analyst who stopped doing analysis. And the reason he stopped doing analysis, he said, look, analysis, uh, at the end of seven years, which was kind of a typical cycle, most of my patients have well-analyzed problems. Most of my patients have well-analyzed problems. Hmm. They came in with a problem, hmm. now it's well-analyzed. They right. still have the problem. Right, 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 right. So, now they can talk about it forever and they're still trapped in it. So that didn't produce any freedom, that didn't release any bonds. So he moved into a whole different uh, exploration. 
which works on that notion of we already have the answer within. Yes. So uh. let's go in and acknowledge that and unlock it. Uh, perhaps oversimplified, but uh, Pearls really was, was transformational for me. I mean, he said a question is simply a demand with a hook on the end of it. I love that. So if you don't want to uh, ask a question, if you want to be pure to gestalt psychology, um, instead of saying, tell me, uh, instead of saying, so Mark, what do you think about this? You'd say, Mark, tell me what you think about this. Mm. It's more authentic. Oh. It's also, um, there's a, a call to action in there. There is. And it begins to uh, evidence what in, in your rubric, I might call the third element of the question, is caring. It sounds like a request more than a test. Yes, absolutely. Like, tell, tell me about what, because I want the information that you have about this, versus let's see if you get this right. Hmm. So tell me more. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that, that idea of, the, of the, the information coming to you rather than, than you kind of checking off boxes as yeah. I go through what I think it is. So I, I want to come uh, back to an element of this in, in just a second. But the reason I went to Fritz Perls is that if you read Perls, uh, and, and he was at Esalen for years, and there's videos of him and so on and so forth, an amazing human being. But he would uh, talk about what he called mechanics. Mechanic is someone who knew all the principles and can do them mechanically. Yes. And then there's the person who is just authentic. The, the challenge for you, I would suggest, is as you try to mechanically break down the art of inquiry, you lose the art of it, and then you're going to find people who can follow the recipe but not get the cake. I, I a thousand percent agree, and, and in my quest to learn new things or to master that thing, um, I'm reminded again of, of Tony Robbins, where he says, I could intellectually understand that thing. Okay, I took in that information, to your point, I've, I've got the formula, yeah. Then there's the heart or the emotional part, now I, I, you know, I feel that, I, now I understand it at the deeper level. But then what he, what Tony would do is he said, now I need to get it in your body, like get it yeah. into your DNA. Mm -hmm. And then once, and that's, that's not easy. That's, that, that takes time. But once it's in your body, then I think you have the authenticity because now I'm not, um, I'm, I'm also a black belt. And I remember getting yelled at on the this is black belt, stop thinking, right? Just feeling, doing. And it's that, so I'm at, um, the part of uh, exploration around the art of inquiry, which I loved that. Thank you so much for that. It was a gift. Um, really understanding all those components because I'm studying it to help other people ask um, effective questions. So I'm, it's kind of a business thing I'm doing now mm -hmm. in a bigger project. But I think I think it's a, of all the skills we have as leaders, asking good questions is one we don't really ever talk about. So, I mean, this show could go on for a long time. Oh, I know. I, I think we're at, uh, are we allowed to have a guest back? <laughs> if, if you would book them, I'm sure many of them would come back. I know, yeah. I know. So, um, I know Tony. Tony 
ran one of his very first fire walks in our parking lot at wow. Insight in Santa Monica. Wow. Um, let me uh, add a, a few more layers of context to this. Um, back to the esoteric, there's only one energy. Now you know from physics, what can you do with energy? You can't create it, you can't destroy it, all you can do is change its form. Right, right. So if, if it's frozen, you can thaw it and it releases energy. If it's moving, you can freeze it and it traps the energy. Yes. But that's about all you get. Each of us is gifted with the same energy. It's called life. What you do with it is your choice. Now, where do you direct it? So some people are going to direct it intellectually. And then you can direct it into the body. Well, that's fine. But if I just lost my arm, am I less me? Mm -mm, I have less no. body. Right. So you have to watch this because there's subtle traps in here. Uh, if you said, well, I'm going to embody the energy, that may be different than focusing on the body. I mean, I, I did a whole lot of body-based therapies way back when, and they can be very useful. Uh, at the um, heart level, so I'm going to weave a bunch of things back and sure, forth here. Sure, sure. <clears throat> Back in 78, we called it the awakening heart. And again, it was thought to be frou-frou. And all the other work was out there, mental and emotional. Well, about five years ago, plus or minus, uh, we discovered that there are bundles of neurons in the heart. Have, had you heard that? Yeah, absolutely. About 10 years before that, we discovered neurons in the gut. Mm -hmm. So when people would say, well, my gut tells me, right, right. it does. Yes. Well, I just knew it in my heart. I do. Because biblically, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. Now, the question is, where do you put the comma? As a man thinketh comma in his heart, so he becomes. Or I think it was, as a man thinketh in his heart, comma, comma so he becomes. Yeah. Now, when we were teaching this back in the 70s, it was like, oh, there's this yeah, California right. nutcase. Right, right. Well, we now know. There's science. It's called neurocardiology today. Neurocardiology. <clears throat> I heard, um, I just heard a new one from uh, Trip Hawkins, another uh, a former guest on the show. He called it uh, neurogenesis. Yeah. Well. So neuro. <clears throat> cardiology. Got it. Uh, but we know there's more information that goes from the heart to the brain than there is from the brain to the heart. Really? Neurons create thought. Yes. There's neurons in the heart. There's neurons in the gut. Which, which neurons are loudest? The ones in the brain. Why? Probably because we got trained to think that way and to disregard the other stuff. Now, the other stuff can be called intuition or I knew it. Back to your original premise. So now we want to go in and say, well, what in conscious conversations, we have people discussing with one another things like where you're going, what, what's next in your life, do you feel called into something, you know, what would be more fulfilling? But then we ask them to stop, now go inside, and in a meditative state, ask the same questions inwardly. And then using sort of a gestalt principle, we say, well, invite your inner master to show up. So sensei, invite your inner sensei to show up. I, I, I may ask you, you know, I'm, I'm of an age now 
uh, we're of an age now where these kind of, after percolating over how many decades, you know, we're, we're able to have this evolved thought, we're able to sit down and, and even create a space where we can have this conversation. But the 20 year old me, I don't think the 20 year old me was able to sit still. And I think that's even worse now. How do you get that 20 year old who, who needs this as much as anybody to take this lesson in, to have this awakening? Um, you don't. You, pre- <laughs> you don't. You t- there you go, kids. You don't. Well, see, the, the f- say the question again and listen to how you frame it. How do we con- – I'm gonna, I'm, now I'm going to be conscious about this, conscious conversation. How do I convince the 20-year-old who's listening right now that this is maybe more important than the other episodes, and if you get this right young – It'll make a phenomenal difference in your life. There, now that was a statement. That wasn't a question, was it? But that's okay. <laughs> but it still contains a fundamental error in a, in, a, in in approach. So be the twenty-year-old hearing that question. How do I convince you that you need to pay attention to this? Now we have the classic hierarchical. Here's the source of knowledge, and you're the ignorant one. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh, how can I convince you to play Pokemon Go? Not, am I? Yeah, not gonna. No. Uh, but if you if you go into genuine inquiry, well, what's happening? Well, is that working as well as you'd like it to? Well, then great. You know, if you want to explore that a little bit more, come back. Let's talk. Is it because Mark entered it thinking he already had I- information that the, that the twenty year old needed? Like th- like like Mark like you said, Mark came <coughs> from a place of of you had an agenda. Yeah. is what it sounds like with that question. Well, it's one of the interesting things about human beings is that, for the most part, and uh, George Bernard Shaw famously said, all generalizations are untrue, including <laughs> this one. <clears throat> but as soon as we learn or know something, we want to go teach somebody else. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's exactly it. And the things, I, I'm in a constant learning my whole life. And... There are some things I've learned recently in conversations I've had recently, and and a lot of it's this show, right, having these kind of conversations, that I'm like, oh, man, I I wish I'd known that, or even been exposed to it to be able to decide, do I want to go that way or not? So when you arrive, and I, I, when I arrive at the the next newest piece of expansive information, yes. Not only do I want to go share it, but some part of me operates as though I have arrived. Mm. And maybe all I am is in a thinning layer of cloud, and I'm not yet in the blue Mm. sky. Mm. Mm. And the blue sky, by the way, is only blue because it's reflecting the ocean. What's above the blue sky? It's kind of black and empty. Well, that may be one way to say it. Or it's (laughs) called a universe. Yes. Yeah, fair enough beyond mm, mm. man's ability to comprehend, but not about beyond the ability to experience. Now, uh, there's, again, so many layers of this, but uh, at the level of intellect versus intelligence, so you mentioned how Tony talked about that. One of the things I differentiate for people is, is I like simplistic, but not because it's simplistic, but most things in the universe are simple. Yes. That's yes. a that's an inherent 
point of what's so. It's just simple. Easy is different from simple. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, the challenge with the intellect is that it cannot comprehend that which the intelligence can. There's Ooh. another, another tea. Yeah. Grass, grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, inviting your inner sensei. There you go. So if I said to you, um, anybody listening, I, I invite you to answer this question in writing. Actually, write what I'm about to say. There are three twos in the English language. Okay. How did you spell twos? I did a I did the number two hyphen with an S. But that's not what twos means. That's one of the twos. Oh, so there's T O and T W O and T O O. Right. So your intellect cannot grasp it so that it can communicate it, but your intelligence can. It immediately knows what you mean. There's three twos in the English language. But the intellect, so those who worship at the feet of intellectual only, are going to go along all these different methods, scientific method and yada, 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 and miss the meaning. Because you can't capture the meaning if you get so caught up in your knickers that, well, how do you write that sentence? Mm. Said differently, um, do you speak any languages besides English? Kitchen Spanish. Okay. Um, or kitchen, excuse me, kitchen Mexican. Mm -hmm. So, one way to learn a new language is buy the books. Yes. That was German for me in high school. Great. And so you studied and you took the courses and you, did you learn the syntax and the grammar and all that kind of good stuff? I aced it and I don't, I and know one word. And you couldn't speak German if you had to. At all. So, that's the intellectual approach to learning a language. You may learn all the rules, learn all the words, learn all the other stuff, and you can't speak it, much less hear it. But if you hang out with German-speaking people, that's or the Or in this case, Mexicans in the kitchen. Or in this case, Mexican, uh, or any language. Yeah, immersive. You learn it, but we, now we call it immersive. It's just intelligence. Mm. The mm -hmm. intelligent mm -hmm. way to learn something is be with it. Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of being around someone who speaks another language, you may be able to speak it, you may be able to hear it, you may not be able to write it yet, and you may not know the rules, but you could acquire that if you needed it. I feel like for the last 45 minutes, I have been in, an, in that exact thing just happened to me <laughs> with you sitting here because you, you have been doing this your whole life. You are truly a not a black belt, you're, you know, multiple degree black belt at this. I, and 45 minutes has evaporated. And I definitely, uh, the, the, uh, I re reserve the right to recall the witness, Your Honor. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, however, at this point in the show, because we're done, <clears throat> I want to, and someone who's heard about the show either through a personal invite from you or they found us on social media or something, um, what would we call the show if we put a wrapper around this and there was a title? So I'm just looking at a list of 100 shows and I go, oh, that sounds interesting. What would you call this show? Well, let's see. Um, you might call it Conscious Awareness. Okay. Uh, you might call it Awakening. Um, 
You might call it natural knowing. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Natural knowing. How um, I, I want to give a, a, a plug, a, a book you wrote a while ago, um, but I want to, and you were, it was wonderful that you gave it to me, and I have this thing where I read a chapter a day. Mm -hmm. um, I only have 15 minutes to read, but I read a chapter a day, and it was uh, workarounds that work. Mm -hmm. And you also, um, in that, I mean, it was a spectacular book, by the way. Um, I mean, I learned so much, and I'm, I happen to be able to put that into practice right away because I'm working with a large New York-based company, and mm -hmm. I can see my, the only way I'm going to be successful with my project is if I work around. And it's been really great, so thank you for that. How do people find you out on the interwebs? So my uh, website is russellbishop.com. Got it. And Russell has two S's and two L's. Yep. And, um, you know, there's a lot of information there, uh, the work I have been doing, the work I'm moving into, as well as stuff about the book. Yeah, I've got a feeling you still got a, there's a lot of runway in front of you. Hmm. Right? A, lo a lot of runway. Yeah, you're, 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 that, uh, there's a kindred spirit there that I appreciate. I uh, very much appreciate meeting you and, and having you here. We've, we've learned a lot. And we've, we didn't even get through the first layer. We just we, we found out there's a lot more. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I also want to thank California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services, our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press and Cielo 24, the 805 Connect project now going into our third year is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. More information on the project is at 805connect.com. Patrick, um, this, was, this was another one of those five-star, you know, we want to make sure everyone, I'm going to go back and, and just put the, the, the phone in someone's ear and say, you've got to listen to this. Spot. Yeah, yeah. How can they help us? Uh, well, you know, besides rate, write, and review, of course, um, there everybody you meet today is a potential listener of this podcast. And so if you could just activate those people's potential by getting them to subscribe, uh, that would really push this podcast out into more ears and uh, open us up to a wider audience. And that is the greatest gift you can give us besides uh, sending us some critical feedback. Let us know uh, what's working, what's not working, and uh, how we can get better at doing this for you. I, I would love to hear from you personally. A lot of you write me. I, I just love reading those notes. Um, you can introduce yourself. Send me a note to mark at 805connect.com. And as Patrick said, what's working, what's not working, and, and, and potentially introduce me to someone fascinating you think would be great on the show. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.